I just want to talk with you all for just a few moments. We're going to go into the book of St. John. Go with me to the book of St. John. We're going into the book of St. John, and I want to go to I want to go to the 12th chapter, St. John, the 12th chapter. Uh, and I'm going to begin reading at verse number one, St. John, the 12th chapter, uh, verse number one. I want you to get it in your Bibles because I'm going to be preaching uh, from the text, St. John 12 uh, verse number one through verse nine. Look at what it says. Look at what it says. Look at what it says. It says, verse one, then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Verse three, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Simon Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Notice what he says in verse five. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. And then verse number eight, for the poor always ye have with you, but me ye shall, ye have not always. Now this 12th chapter is a very interesting chapter and I want you all to read that entire chapter. Time did not allow me today to read it, but I want you to read the entire chapter. But I want us to go back to verse number five. Glance back at verse number five. Verse number five, we hear Judas ask a question. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Why? Somebody ought to just say, just say why, just say why. Why wasn't the ointment, this expensive perfume sold and the money that we would have collected, we could have given that to the poor. Well, I want to kind of flip this text a little bit, if you all don't mind. And I want to use for a subject matter 
without a Y. Without a Y. Without a Y. When was the last time you did something for someone else without any expectations, with no strings attached, without any conditions or preconditions? There was no why to what you were doing. You were just doing what you were doing because that's what you were doing. There was a great uh, German priest in the 17th century, and he wrote something in regards to a rose. Listen at him. He says, the rose has no why. It blossoms because it blossoms. It pays no attention to itself, nor does it ask whether anyone sees it. What if, just, 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 just what if we were to live like the rose without a why? What if we blossomed simply because we blossomed? What if there was no motive or seeking to our blossoming, to notice, to be praised, to accomplish? What if, what if we fragranced the world because we could not do anything but fragrance the world? The rose is going to do what it's going to do regardless of whether anyone sees or smells it. Its beauty and the fragrance are not means to an end. It has no why. I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but I really, I really, I really want to live without a why. I want to give and do unconditionally. And I believe that is often how we see ourselves and how we want to be and live, to live unconditionally and without strings attached. But I think that some would agree with me here today that it's harder than it sounds. I want to talk to some folk once again who have been glorified, gone to heaven and come back, but understand that it's harder than it sounds. Simply because we live in a world of economy, exchange and transactions. In other words, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. We live in a world in which you pay for what you want. There is, as the saying goes, no such thing as a free lunch. Fact of the matter is we are expected to return the favor, pay off the debt, or give back in some way. And so in short, you you get what you pay for. And we pay in all sorts of ways. Think about it. Think about all the ways that happens and uh, how commonplace and uh, acceptable it is. Well, let me name a few. We exchange our time for money. 
We sacrifice our families for success. We trade our dreams for the realities of making ends meet. Have you ever received a gift and felt indebted, obligated to return the favor, or at least send a thank you note? And even the best intentioned gifts can leave the recipient with an unintended debt of gratitude. How did you feel when you did not receive a thank you note or other acknowledgement after giving a gift or did not receive an invitation to dinner at their house after you had them over for dinner at your house? Have you ever sent flowers after an argument, I got to come down your street now. Have you ever, have you ever received flowers or sent flowers after an argument? Were you giving a gift or working a deal? Have you ever argued over the lunch bill? You paid the last time. It's my turn. Or I'll get it today. You can get it next time. Have you ever said or done something as a means to an end? Have you ever wondered why somebody was doing something for you? Wondered what was in it for them? It is even in the church. And whether you believe it or not, it is even in our faith. Because theologians call it the economy of salvation. Listen, believe in Jesus. Follow his ways, and you too can have uh, salvation. And sometimes we believe that our prayers and good behavior are the currency that pays for God's favor. Well, you need to understand I say none of this as a criticism or judgment, but simply as an observation that there are thousands of ways in which we daily transact the business of life. We cannot escape that. It's hard and, and, and maybe impossible to give a pure gift. Economies are part of our world and our lives. Well, as much as I love being a pastor, as much as I love being your pastor, and as much as I say, and I really mean what I say, that I am not in it for the money. Well, I still want every now and then to get paid. Y'all ain't going to follow me. And so here I am not suggesting economies are inherently wrong or that we need to rid ourselves of it. But maybe we need to be more aware of them and the power and influence they have. Maybe, just maybe, we need to lessen and loosen the grip they tend to have on us. Because we cannot always do everything for the payoff. And sometimes we don't. You know, there are times when we do or need to do something simply for the sake of doing it. Maybe it's a thing like love, forgiveness, truth, hospitality, 
justice, compassion, because it's in those times something is being affirmed for itself, not for what it might achieve or accomplish. In other words, there is no why. So when I look at this 12th chapter of the book of St. John, I believe that's what's going on with Mary in our text today. She loves because she loves. She anoints because she anoints. She fragrances because she fragrances. There is no why. In other words, it's a gift. Grace upon grace. There's nothing in it for her. <laughs> How many of y'all know every time we do something, we shouldn't have to take the attitude that it has to be something in us, something in it for us. There's nothing in it for her. It is unconditional, without measure or calculation. And it looks reckless and irresponsible when you read the text. But she is not invested in a result or seeking a particular outcome. She is just doing what she's doing because that's what she's doing. She breaks the chains of means and ends. And it makes no sense to Judas. How many of y'all know sometimes when you serve out of a pure heart, it don't make sense to some folk. Some folk will want to know why you're doing what you're doing. Some folk will tell you that uh, you're a whole lot better than them. But notice, notice Mary. It is a gift. It's grace upon the grace. There's nothing in it for her. It's unconditional. But yet it seems to be reckless and irresponsible. She's not looking for nothing. Oh, but look at Brother Judas. Brother Judas looked at it from a different standpoint because Judas, he was an economist. And so when you look at this text, I can't help but to notice that gift stands in contrast to economy, even as Mary stands in contrast to Brother Judas. Notice what Judas said. Look at the text. Notice what he said. He says, why? Why was this perfume not sold for 300 dinars and the money given to the poor? Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know what Judas' real motive was. Maybe he was, as our text says, a thief and wanted it all for himself. Well, when you really read this text, there are multiple ways of interpreting what Judas says. But in any event, however you interpret it, you can't help but to know that Judas is calculating and he's practical. He knows the market. He's an investor looking for a return. He wants to turn Mary's gift into a profit. Well, I better stop right there. You can't turn every gift into a profit. Judas has a why. He has aligned itself with the means and the end. And in the economies of our life, everything has a why. Hey, that's the reason we become calculating, expecting a return on our investment. 
whether that investment is money, time, love, or a good deed. <coughs> Let us not draw conclusions here about Mary or Judas. That's not what I come here to do today. I didn't come to draw a conclusion on Mary or Judas because it would be easy to oppose them because we would say Mary's good, Judas is bad, Mary is right, Judas is wrong. Let's not draw any conclusions here about Mary or Judas. But here's the thing, because I know there are times, yeah, I'm going to say it, where I have lived as Judas and times when I've lived as Mary. I want to talk to some honest folk here. I'm going to say it again. Have you ever lived as Judas? And I'm not talking about being a thief. I'm talking about looking to get something out of. Come on here, somebody. I bless you looking to get something out of it. There have been times I've lived as Judas and there's been times I've lived as Mary. What if, what if they are not two opposite lives of people, but two aspects of our own lives, two ways of living and relating? What if we hold both Mary and Judas within ourselves? Or oh, I just want to talk to us today. What if we hold Mary and Judas within ourselves? What if they are images of ourselves, images of our charitable self and our economic self, images of our unconditional life and our conditioned life? You see, when, when, when have you been Mary and when have you been Judas? What is your experience of the two? In what ways have they shaped or misshaped your life? And I do not think it is a question of choosing one over the other, gift or economy, Mary or Judas, but of living in the tension of the two. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes we've got to live in the tension of the two. And that tension is what sometimes keep us up at night, calls us into question, awakens us to how we truly want to live. That tension is the call to be discerning and thoughtful about how we respond to others and engage life. That tension pushes us to look within ourselves at our motives and our desires. We're living in some troublesome times now. And y'all, people are doing whatever they can. They don't care who they use. They don't care who they steal from. A lot of people out there, they have the wrong motive. There's a lot of saints, I'm going to say it, that have that Judas spirit, that whatever they do for you, they're looking for something in return. But one thing Mary shows us, one thing this text shows us, whether you have a Judas spirit, whether you have a marriage spirit, whether it's gift or economy, you have to understand that they are interwoven. 
and each has the possibility of the other. And so before we point our fingers at Judas, we better make sure we take a deep look down on the inside of our own hearts and say, Lord, search my heart and make sure that everything that I do, God, I do it with the right motive and I do it as a gift unto you. And one thing we have to observe from the life of Mary is it reminds us that the fragrance of life can be neither bought nor sold. In other words, it is priceless. I must say it again, the fragrance of life, it can neither be bought nor sold. It is priceless. Because when you look at Mary's devotion, Mary did not have a why. Judas had a why, but Mary did not have a why. Mary's act of devotion made Christ smell good to others. I'm going to say it again. Her devotion made Christ smell good to others. The fragrance of Christ filled the entire house. And I want to ask you, when was the last time the fragrance of Christ filled your entire house? I'm almost through. I just want to talk. But you have to understand that devotion to Christ, it gives honor to Christ. Sin which dishonors Christ, it stinks to high heaven. Oh, but it's something about devotion. And when I speak of devotion, I speak, I speak of dedication. I speak of affection, admiration, and loyalty. It brings a sweet fragrance to God. And I want to know, I want to know, how does your God smell? <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, how does your God smell? How are you making your God smell? Do your God stink? Eh, because you're too much into the economy, too much into what can I get out of it, too much tr- striving for the things of this world. But is your gift from a pure and uh, an upright life. How does your God smell? Well, Mary, who loves the Lord with her whole being, she sacrifices all that she is and all that she has. She gives herself out of a heart of pure love for the Lord. And let me give it a close, but I see just a few more things in the text because here's what I see. I see in her expression, she expresses a repentant love. I'm going to say it again. She expresses a repentant love. Because if you go back one chapter, the 11th chapter of the book of St. John, uh, Mary had criticized and accused Jesus of neglecting her family when he had not come to the aid of of her brother Lazarus sooner. But here in the 12th chapter, she is seen repenting of her sins. Not only does she express a repentant love, but she also expresses a sacrificial 
and costly love. How many of y'all know it caused something? Oh, y'all ain't gonna help me to follow the Lord. And I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your will. I'm talking about your desires. It caused something in order to walk with the Lord. Look at her costly love. The text says it was very costly. You have to understand that the ointment was a perfume or it was an oil. 300 pence equaled a year's pay. I'm going to say it again. What she had in that bottle and what she poured on Jesus equaled one year's worth of pay. That's some expensive perfume. And how many of y'all know the more you pay for your perfume, the better it smells and the longer it lasts. You don't have to spray a whole, okay, let me move on. You don't have to spray a whole lot of perfume when you pay a lot of money for it. You don't bathe yourself in it. But you can tell when it costs a lot of money. Hey, because they'll take it and just put one squirt here, one here, and maybe one there and call it a day. They don't just spray, 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 spray. Well, this was an expensive, uh, my God, perfume. It was a year's uh, worth of pay. And so just imagine the sting. A bottle of perfume, holds pay, being poured upon, watch this, the feet of Jesus. All those of you that was in Bible discovery, we talked about washing of the feet. And some of us would say, well, I'm going to wash your feet, but I ain't putting my expensive cologne on your feet. Well, that was not the case of this woman. Mary, she said, it don't matter how much this costs. Oh, I want to talk, but I'm getting excited. I don't care how much it costs. I don't have a why. I'm doing it because this is what I do. And you have to understand that for the Eastern woman in that day, there was men there. She had to humiliate herself in order to even come into the room and in order to pour expensive perfume on his feet. Mary was taking her most precious possession and giving it to the Lord. Well, I see one more thing that she expressed, and then I'm going to give y'all up for the day. She expresses a believing love. I'm going to say it again. She expresses a believing love. She honored her Lord as the Christ. Yes, she did, the anointed one. Mary was anointing. Mary's anointing was an act of love and faith in the Lord Jesus. And simply put, Mary anointed Jesus to show how deeply she loved him and believed him to be the true Messiah. And I cannot help but ask you the question, how much do you love the Lord? I'm going to say it again. How much do you love the Lord? Do you love him without a why? Judas wanted to know why. But Mary's attitude was, I don't care why. I'm living without a why. And I'm just wondering, is there anybody here today 
that will declare I'm going to live without a why. Do you love him enough to say, if God don't do another thing for me, my God, hey, glory, if God don't do another thing for me, if God don't open up another door, if God don't heal my body ever again, I'm living without a why. I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to magnify him. I'm still going to glorify him. I'm still going to lift him up. Why? Because I'm without a why. The very fact he came all the way down from heaven to save a wretch like me. Finished the work on the cross. They laid him in the ball tomb. Early Sunday morning he got up. My God, and then he adopted me into the royal family. And then he sealed me by his power. I don't need to live with a why. I don't need a why. Hallelujah. I love because I love him. Ah, anybody just love him because they love him. I serve him because I just want to serve him. If heaven was never promised to me, I want you all to know I love him and I'll keep on serving him. Well, I got one more question to ask y'all and then I'm finished. Why? Why? Those of you that have to live with a why, I want to know why should you feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should your heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? Well, I got good news. I don't need a why. And here is the reason why. It's because Jesus, he is my portion. A constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches over me. Somebody ought to pat yourself and say, I know he watches over me. People are devastated. They don't even want to see Tuesday come because they don't know the outcome. Whatever the outcome may be, I put it into the hands of the almighty God. And here's one thing I know. He watches over me all day, all night. The angels keep watching over me. The angels of the Lord, they encampeth round about them that fear him and walk up rightly before him. Well, I'm finished. I'm finished. You don't have to live with a why. Do like Mary did and said, I'm just going to do it because that's what I do. How many of y'all know a praiser, a real praiser, don't have to have a reason to praise him? Y'all ain't talking back here to me. A real praiser don't need a check in the bank or check in the mailbox. A real praiser don't have to get hit by a train and flip 10 times and then decide to praise the Lord. Not a real praiser. Hey, glory to God. Because a real praiser have a praise down on the inside. A real praiser will say, I bless the Lord at all times. Even when the devil make you feel like you don't have a reason why you should praise him. I want the devil to know I don't need a reason to praise him. I could praise him without a why. I praise him because I love him. I praise him 
because of who he is. I praise him because he afforded us the opportunity. I could just lay down before him. If he never does anything else, if he doesn't open another door, if he doesn't make another way, that don't mean he's not going to do it. But guess what? If he don't, I don't need a why. I got to keep on praising him. If you don't ever give me another check from the church, I'm going to sign on every Sunday morning (laughs) because I don't need a why (laughs) to preach God's word. It's just automatic because of the love that I have for him. How much do you love him? I'm finished. How much do you love him? How much do you love him? How does your God smell? How how, How does your God smell? If it was up to you, if it was up to your sacrifice, if it was up to your devotion, if it was up to your serving him, how does your God smell? Are you willing to take all that you have, pour it at the feet of Jesus so that Jesus can smell good? And the entire house uh, has the odor of that expensive perfume. I want this house to have a the fragrance of praise. <laughs> The fragrance of thanksgiving. The fragrance of prayer. Come on here, somebody. I don't need a why. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. And Judas, bless his heart. Bless his heart. Says, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence? And Mary said, I don't need a why. I don't need the money. (laughs) I want to show my love to Jesus. You know, a lot of times we want to show our love to the world and skip showing our love to Jesus. But I think we all need to start with Jesus. Come on, can I get a witness? I think before we try to show our love to all the world, we need to start with Jesus. What are you willing to? To give, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to turn down? What are you are you willing to say, God, I don't have to just get something out of every time you do something for me or somebody else do something for me. I have to have the right motive. I have to have the right heart because I want the heart of God. Now, God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your tender mercy. God, I know that oftentimes when we read this text, we want to preach hard on the fact that you said that Mary chose the best part. But God, I thank you because your word gives us revelation for us to search our hearts, search our motives, search our intentions, whether we're acting like Judas or if we're acting like Mary. God, we don't want to act like Judas But God, we know that we live in a world, we live in a time where everything seems to be about the economy, about money, about wealth. But God, help us, help us, help us, God, hallelujah, to understand that it don't profit a man to gain the whole world and then lose his soul. God, we pray that our worship, our praise will be authentic. Hallelujah, God, that it will be real, that it don't stink in your nostrils, 
Oh, but God, it becomes sweet smelling uh, to where the entire room is filled with the fragrance of our praise. But God, we thank you and we praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. God, we lift you up. You declare your word when I go forth void. It would accomplish what you said I forth will accomplish. And we thank you and we praise you. Now, God, if there's a sinner that do not know you, that don't know your darling son is a personal savior, God, I pray that you would draw him, that you would save him before it's too late in the name of Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.